Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for this 27th day of August. I'm Paul White. Thank you for joining me. It's Saturday. Saturday's the day we tell you what's coming up on our full-length sermon drop for Sunday. And this week, I'm particularly excited. I'm going to air for you the sermon from our July monthly meeting here in Flowery Branch, Georgia, with our uh, our little group of friends. Uh, call it a church, whatever. We meet every week on Tuesday nights, and then we meet once on Sunday on the 4th weekend of the month. And we have a special time together because... That Sunday meeting, there's usually some people that are not with us on Tuesdays, and there's usually maybe a visitor or two, but we always take the covenant meal together, and we don't do any kind of series usually. It's just whatever's on my heart, and I've been trying to preach some of the lectionary readings that are whatever the church world at large is reading that week. Um, We've been doing a few of those sermons in different locations, and so I did that in July, um, and, and sort of sort of unintentionally, I, I wanted to talk about uh, the Father's love and, and God as our Father. And the lectionary reading was from Luke 11. So that's the basic part of the text. And then I, I just wanted to dig into that whole, he's our Father. And I've done that before. In fact, we've we've done a lot of that over the years to the point that, and I mentioned this in the sermon, that I sort of argued with God a little bit. Like, look, you know, we got this stuff down. We don't have to go back over this Father stuff. But there was something very palpable, something very real, I think, that happened in this message that uh, we had immediate feedback from those that were there. But then even over the course of that week, those that were there responding to me more and more saying, hey, man, I needed that revelation again of the Father's love. This sermon is titled very simply, Father's Love. And I think it will give you a fresh revelation again of your father's love, your heavenly father and what it looks like, what he looks like. One of the things I love about this message is near the end, we do a whole list of things on we are what Jesus calls you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So let's consider us, we are the evil ones. And even we wouldn't do this to our kids or that to our kids. And I do like three or four of them. And I, that to me, that's where the message really finds its Self. And so I think you will enjoy it. Wherever you listen to this podcast, there'll be the audio version of Father's Love. We'll post tomorrow on Sunday, the 28th of August. And if you like video, it'll be at paulwhiteministries.com. It'll be at Paul White Ministries on our Facebook page. I link it through my personal Twitter account, by the way. That's Deeper Daily Pods is my personal Twitter account. And if you just want what I'm reading and sermon links, then follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and Uh, Also, our YouTube page is PWM. Okay, today we conclude chapter two from our audio reading of our 2018 book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. We'll just read out. I'll come back, give you a a, uh, goodbye, and then we'll be ready for chapter three starting tomorrow. Here it is, the conclusion of chapter two. If Levi is no longer the priestly tribe, What are the economic implications to a nation built on a form of theocracy? What happens to the tithe now that there are no priests to support? What happens to the temple, the Jewish heaven on earth, if Jesus is really Christ in you and the body is the temple of the Spirit? What about the thousands of shepherds? And the hundreds of thousands of lambs, goats, pigeons, and turtle doves. What happens to the economy of sacrifice if Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice? 
if Jesus cleared the money changers from the temple when he was on the earth, what if that was to foreshadow what his death and resurrection would accomplish? The questions are endless, and Saul knew it. Holding on was more important than finding the answers. I think many are still in the mode of zealous defense, holding on rather than truly dealing with tough questions. There are others who use zeal to lash out, often hatefully, to defend their doctrines, ideologies, and convictions. We should take time and respect the effort. Why believe in something you wouldn't defend? But let's not stop there. We can be open to a different opinion or conclusion, and we can hear it, filter it, use what is useful, and discard what isn't. This isn't passivity or the acceptance of error. It's maturity. Saul's zeal led to outright crime against the followers of Jesus. His was a drive taken to its darkest place, where zeal meets ambition gone to seed, and his measure of greatness was to use persecution as evidence that he was as driven, as passionate, and as fiery as anyone else. Let's not confuse his description as approval of zeal taken to that degree, just his usage of that zeal to show to what lengths he would go to defend the version of righteousness and religion he held most dear. If we learn no other lesson from Saul, let's not miss this one. Zeal for God will be commended by nearly everyone, but not all zeal is fruitful and worthwhile. In his letter to the Romans, Paul acknowledged the zeal of his Jewish brethren, but said that it was not according to knowledge, Romans 10.2. Their ignorance led them to seek to establish their own righteousness and led to a failure to submit to the righteousness of God, Romans 10.3. Paul was basically describing Saul, and Paul didn't like Saul. Concerning righteousness, or what to expect because of what I do, Our previous point from Romans dovetails into this final statement by Paul. Concerning the righteousness that came by the law, Saul would have been considered blameless. It's quite possible that we haven't fully comprehended the power that the ingrained law held in the life of the typical Jewish man in the time of Paul. The structure was deep and went much further than most of us could imagine. People today who argue whether or not we should be under the law miss a majority of the instances in which they would be in breach of Mosaic law. For example, while arguing in favor of law-keeping, they wear denim pants with cotton underwear. Wearing two different fabrics together was prohibited under Mosaic law, Leviticus 19.19. This is just one example of legal infraction that we miss but that was deeply embedded in the average man. Saul was the shining example of someone who did it all and did it well. Paul saw Saul's error and said as much, declaring that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, Romans 10.4. You and I were never under the law anyhow, but even if we had been, it contains nothing to put us in right standing with God. Concerning righteousness speaks to the expectation we have when we do the things we think God demands of us. If we think we will be cursed when we fail, the flip side is the expectation of good as a reward for doing things right. This give and take is so common that we embrace our culture's maxims, God helps those who help themselves, and what comes around goes around. Saul would have embraced these, and rightfully so. Saul was under the old covenant. 
The list presented to us most commonly in the church today includes the mandate of what we should do now that we are saved or are part of the church. This is followed by a detailed game plan as to how to do it and finally the carrot in front of the donkey. We are told what to expect if we do what we should and what we are guaranteed if we fail. Common sense dictates that there is no harm in letting people know what is expected of them or to put a goal out in front of people for them to shoot for. However, if we attach our identity to what we do, then we will base our value on our ability to perform rather than on who we are in Christ. I think we borrowed the list from Saul, the prime example of pharisaical obedience, religious zeal. He was on fire for God and sublime righteous standards. He was the boy you want to bring home to mother. He was the shining example of godliness. But as we are soon to find out, when Saul met Jesus, he left that identity behind. Paul had different ideas about obedience, zeal, and righteousness, and he had a few choice words about the version upheld by Saul. So there it is, the conclusion chapter 2 from our book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. I want to encourage you again, check out the sermon that drops tomorrow called Father's Love. Come back to us here at the DDP where we will start chapter 3. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.